I'm Craig Kenneth, a relationship coach and a psychotherapist. Every relationship is different and every breakup is different. Work with me and you'll get professional help on your situation. Just click on the link in the description below or go to my website, AskCraig.net. Hi there, I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And today we're going to be talking to you about are we too close or not close enough? It's a big question. It sure is. Anytime you're in a relationship, there's a struggle about how close or distant you are with your partner. And it can be very frustrating for the both of you. Yes. Because each person is used to a different level of closeness right. or space. And it's a constant struggle. And so today, we're going to be talking about that. And Margaret has some really good information for you guys on that subject. So Margaret, what do you want to say about that? I want to talk about one of my favorite subjects, which is different kinds of family. Families. Um, there was a lovely man named Salvador Mnuchin, who died recently, actually, mm -hmm. um, who described different kinds of families for us. And how did he lear learn his material? He worked in a group care facility for acting out adolescents from kids from New York City called Wiltwick. I don't spell it because it's Welsh and has all those funny letters in it. But it was a well-known and big group care facility. Mm -hmm. And he would bring in the families because he did not want the kids going back into the same situations that they came out of. And of course he saw everything on earth, as you can imagine, as people came to do family therapy with him. Yes. And his contribution was a simple enough system for us to contemplate. There are two ends of the spectrum. The first is enmeshed families. That's families who are way too close. And disengaged families who are really way too distant. Mm -hmm. And as we often suggest, somewhere in the middle is where we all want to be. Mm -hmm. But we don't all come from the same kind of family. If I come from an enmeshed family and Craig comes from a, a, a disengaged family, and I think we should eat together and watch TV together, he may think I'm nuts because that's not how they did it at his house. And I will give you some of the characteristics of the two ends of the spectrum and I will share with you um, some personal encounters. But I do want to say a word about personal boundaries before we do that. We haven't talked much about boundaries, but no, inevitably, really no, yeah. but inevitably we will. A personal boundary is sort of a, it's a, an invisible thing it's a boundary that we have around us, between ourselves and other people. And people have all different kinds of boundaries. You know the kind of person who is your best friend five minutes after you know them, and you feel very comfortable talking with them, but you say to yourself, but wait a minute, I've only known this person for five minutes. And that goes for women that might be interested in you, or guys. Or guys, yeah. yes, it, either one All of them. sudden somebody comes oh, over yes. to you and Whoa, starts what's chatting like they've known you all of their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and those are people with weaker personal boundaries. People with stronger personal boundaries might be slightly more standoffish and say, well, I'd at least like to know you for two days before we talk about the following <laughs> topics. Okay? Yeah. So there are strong boundaries and weak boundaries, and they're very important for our psychological and relationship functioning. Yeah. All right. So I'll talk first about enmeshed families. Enmeshed. Enmeshed. Stuck together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, 
I've dated a girl who had an enmeshed Yes, you did. Family. I remember that. Yeah. Actually, they know who it is. It's the Applebee's girl. The Applebee's That's, girl. I talk about how oh, all right. the, the Applebee's, the Applebee's where we girl. had the situation. Yes, right? yes, yes. <laughs> they, that's how they know her, is uh -huh. Applebee's, right? Oh, she was definitely <laughs> enmeshed. Yes, you're right. I yeah. remember. Yeah. yeah, and so, you know, that whole family dynamic was very enmeshed and could make partners of the siblings and the family members yes. feel like outsiders. Outsiders, yes. And if you deal with an enmeshed family, everyone is an outsider except for them. Now, here's a very common example of an enmeshed family. I went to the eye doctor the other day and there was a family ahead of me and I assumed you know one of them was seeing the eye doctor but then two rows of them got up to go into the appointment because apparently everyone in the family was going in for the doctor's appointment which is fine if that's how you want to do it but it can be a real problem in a waiting room. Um, you know um, if everybody travels together and does everything together and I think the I just like imagine like a row of ducks walking into yes, that's about what it looked like. Yes, yeah. And if you want to think about the ultimate enmeshed families, it would be the Bush family on TV, the Alaskan folks, mm -hmm. you know, who are all very appealing and likable people. But I wonder, I I worry about them ever being able to separate and establish their own lives. Mm -hmm. um, so that would be kind of the ultimate example. I'm not familiar with that show. No? Uh, well, there's a a large family. Uh, with two very likable parents and they live in the middle of absolutely nowhere in mm -hmm. Alaska mm -hmm. and they all work together building homes and trying to survive in that climate and it's not at all easy wow. but they live in this tiny little place together and they do absolutely everything together and if one of them has to go to town the others have anxiety attacks oh wow okay and people are quite fascinated with it because it looks like a happy family which I think it is to some extent and that's its charm but I do worry about their enmeshedness. Hmm. Um, I don't know how popular that show is, but I never get to watch. Extremely popular. I never get to watch TV. I'm trying to think of what the name of it is. It's about the Bush family, um, the Alaskan Bush people, maybe something like that. But it's a series of. There are lots of programs on about Alaska, and of course the. Um, it's very difficult living there because I guess you, you freeze to death all winter and then in the spring you worry that it's all going to flood and take your cabin away mm. and then you worry about hunting again all summer so you'll have enough food for the following winter. It sounds oh, very geez. anxiety provoking yeah. to me. Don't they have a Publix over there? Or uh... No, not for <laughs> many, many, many miles and they say that it's the ultimate freedom and they're off the grid and isn't it wonderful? It doesn't sound so great for well, me. Well, it didn't to me either but, you know, <laughs> to each his own or her own. Um, so, People are like, wait, what's Publix? It's a grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Um, okay, if we're looking at an enmeshed family, it's very difficult for them to say no to each other. Hmm. They just kind of are programmed and, and trained to, to go along with what the majority is doing. Mm -hmm. um, one of the first signs, and this sounds strange, one of the first signs of a family who is struggling with enmeshment is truancy. Now, Interesting. How, in heaven's name do I get to that? Um, if you come from an enmeshed family and as it starts to come to, you know, sixth grade, seventh grade, you're old enough to start feeling some of those very normal feelings of wanting to separate and wanting to be involved with friends and so forth and so on. And consciously or unconsciously, you end up staying home from school because you don't want to go or you have a mysterious illness or you worry about your parents and you stay home to look after your mother. There are all kinds of reasons for it, but I've never seen a case of that, and I had to deal with way too many cases of that at one point, um, where you saw a family with healthy boundaries, 
have truant children. It's sort of they stay home to be still be part of the pack. Wow. All right. And it's a huge problem out there in the mental health system and the school system, and no one has ever really learned how to solve it. We threaten kids, we put them in jail, we do all sorts of things, and they still won't go to school. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I know that sounds strange. The child is old enough to begin to separate and finds out that he really can't. Um, and then, you know, you see, um, and I was talking with someone the other day who came from a family like this, his grandmother never liked the spouses of any of her children, and she had like eight boys, mm -hmm. and she hated every single one of the sisters-in-law, mm -hmm. who of course in some way had taken her sons away from her. I think she might have liked to keep them all at home. Yeah. Um, so there are all sorts of variations on that theme that you can see. Yeah. Now, disengage. Now, I came from a family that was closer to the enmeshed than to the distant, distant. Um, so I'm always blown away when I see the totally disengaged families. Um, they don't talk to each other much. It's sort of like they all live in the same house, but that's about as much communication as they have. And of course, there are always varying degrees mm -hmm. of. Um, so basically, everybody in there has their own electronic device. Exactly. <laughs> and goes to their own room in the evening to play with their own electronic device. Wow. And they don't even talk to each other. You could say to a member of a, of a disengaged family, so how's your brother Joe? Oh, I don't know. I haven't talked to him for days. And that always made me scratch my head. Mm -hmm. Everyone would want to know what brother Joe was doing in my house. Yeah. Um, the families rarely talk to each other or eat together. or, or Almost never. Um, everybody goes their own way, does their own thing. Children and adults are disengaged and can feel very lonely and isolated. And I've had many but, clients come to me saying, you know, I live with all these people, but I still feel very, very lonely and very, very isolated. It's depressing. Yes, absolutely. But you've got all these people around, but you're not really in emotional contact with mm -hmm. anybody. Yep. Um, there are numerous examples. Um, I'll never forget this one. This was I was working with adolescents at the time, and there was this adolescent that came to me, and she was a, a pleasant kid, but very withdrawn. And when I asked her about her life, she told me that um, it, it makes me want to cry even now. That her best friend in the world was her turtle. I remember this story. Remember this story? Yeah. I'm sure I told it to you. Yeah. And that she would spend time in the evening in her room because she wanted to be with her turtle. Now think about how Jeez. responsive turtles are. I mean, I think they do pop their heads out of their little shell when you say, hello, turtle. Um, I think they get excited if they hear the radio. Um, but I mean, you can't hug a turtle. Um, and it was just very sad to me that this crumb of relationship was all she had. Thank God she had that. So are you saying that when you heard about this story, you were shell-shocked? Oh, that's a terrible joke, but I have to go, I did laugh. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, anyway. We don't have money for a writing staff, no, Margaret. <laughs> no, so we do the best we can. Anyway, thank heaven she went to go live with her grandmother, who at least talked with her. Mm -hmm. um, they, I had a man one time who really never talked to anybody in his life. Wow. Um, I lived next door to him, as a matter of fact. I could get hello when we were both mow mow mowing the lawn, and we'd wave. And once after we had a hurricane, he talked a little about his mother. That was it. We had lived next door to each other for eight or nine years. Wow. Okay. Uh, very pleasant man. I don't know why he didn't think anyone would talk to him. Mm -hmm. um, 
Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I can remember when I was a kid um, going to other people's houses. Now, my family always ate dinner together, not necessarily, you know, other meals, but definitely dinner together. And I can remember several families right in my immediate neighborhood where no, nobody ate dinner together. Yeah. Um, parents might get some food together for the kids, or I remember one case where the kid would get food for the parents who'd been working at a furniture store and was due to come home. And I can remember one, one family in particular, I never, in the entire time I was growing up, saw the mother and daughter have a conversation. Wow. Of any kind. So, you know, it's really important to understand this because yes. if that's the kind of house they grew up in, right. imagine what it's like trying to have a romantic relationship yes. with somebody who grew up in a completely different right. kind of home. Yeah. Like if you're Italian, everybody is typically right. in your business. Yeah. Everybody yeah. knows where sure. you're at, what sure. you're doing. Hey, and it varies, it varies <laughs> with ethnicity. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the Irish are always um, depicted as not talking to each other much. And, one of the, and there were reasons for that, and there were cultural differences too. But they say about the Irish is, uh, it rains all the time in Ireland, okay? And you're living in one of those nice little cottages with the hay on the roof, you know, or the hay for the roof. And if you fight with each other all the time, it's not going to be good when you all have to stay in the house. Mm -hmm. So that they've adaptively learned not to talk to each other all that much, at least until the sun comes up. Okay? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, there are other Survival reasons. instincts. Yes. <laughs> and there's a wonderful book out there called Ethnicity and Family Therapy, which is old now. It's got to be 30 years old. Mm -hmm. But it was a wonderful book that looked at things like that. Um, but when you talk, talk about somebody's communication style and their expectations of having a family, it makes a huge difference Absolutely. how they grow up. Yeah. You know? yeah. I'll never forget another time I worked with a woman, um, and she was kind of moderately unhappily married um, because he didn't talk. But I asked about her family of origin, and she said, well, what's there to know about a family of origin? And I said, well, what was it like? She said, oh, it was just normal. I said, well, did your parents talk to each other? Oh, no, not much. Did you talk to them? Mm, not much. Um, and did you have siblings? Yes. Did you talk to them? Not much. Are you in touch with any of them now? Only at Christmas. Wow. And I said, well, what ethnicity? I was doing an intake, so I was asking lots of nosy questions. And I said, so what um, nationality are you? And she said, I have no idea. Wow. Good heavens. How could you not know what nationality are? Right. And you know what? I can think of somebody recently that I asked them what nationality, and they were like, I don't even know. Yeah. Well, I'm American, it doesn't make any difference. Well, okay, but you know, there's usually, going at least back to grandparents or great-grandparents, mm -hmm. you know, they came from Germany, or they came from here, they came from there, um, but I couldn't believe it. And I'll say to people too, um, what was your parents' life like growing up? And some people can give me a, a great description, some people give me a little description, and some people have absolutely no idea. Mm -hmm. Now, most of the time, parents will share information with kids. When sure. I was your age, this happened, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and it's usually a, against your will. <laughs> yes, and, and it's important for kids to hear that and to have some sense of where they belong in this world. But why would we imagine that people are disengaged? What would you think? Mr. Craig, what would you think? Why would people be that well, disengaged? If you're disengaged, it's you know, you're trying to survive, like because if you're trying to you can't be around that person, maybe they make you feel smothered right. or they're driving you nuts or they're or constantly they're or they're angry all the time. Trying to run your life or yeah, sure, angry. Sure. Maybe sure. if they're bipolar. Yep. 
And then they're violent. Yeah, and you learn sometimes. I, mean, I know there are kids who learn that it's better not to be noticed and to kind of fade into the woodwork than to make yourself available. Mm -hmm. So there are many, many reasons for it. And in meshed families, I think it's easier to understand. They're just not letting go of each other. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, and people have problems with that. All right. So you want to be somewhere in the middle, but you certainly want to know where your partner wants to be or doesn't want to be. And if you grew up with either extreme, uh, chances are you're going to be drawn to somebody who came from the same family you did, but mm -hmm. you may know better that it's not really a good idea. Yeah. You know, um, you'd like to fill in some of what you didn't get. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I. I think about people. I, I was talking to a guy this very week, and he said, I was really on my own at age 12. That's wow. better than age 8, which I've also heard. Mm -hmm. Okay? So, I'm just saying it's worth thinking about yourself. Which kind of family do you come from? Which kind of family do you want? Mm -hmm. And which kind of family does a potential partner come Absolutely. from? Absolutely. Yeah. And it helps to know these things, because these are all little things that you've never even thought, thought about. about. Right. And it's so critical because you're trying to figure out, you know, you're reassessing everything. Look, now you're going to look back and take a look at that and think, well, you know what? He doesn't talk to his mother at all. He doesn't talk to his brother. Right. I've never met anybody. Yeah. Yeah. And they may, maybe you had taken it personally. Like, I never met his family. They didn't care about me. He thought, I wouldn't like, he thought they wouldn't like me. And that's not it at all. It's that they just don't talk to each other. Mm -hmm. In fact, we did, a, we did one of those where no one had talked to anyone um, they had kind of met in a local pub, and it sounded like the people at the pub were the only people they talked to, that neither of them talked to their family Mike. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're thinking about that. Absolutely, yeah. because these are the kinds of things that you're trying to reevaluate, reassess yeah. who you are. You may have not even thought, oh my gosh, my family was totally disengaged, or my family wouldn't leave me alone. They need to know everything. Right. They, doing yeah, what I, what I wore, where I went to school, if yeah. I did my homework. I mean, so there were real extremes here. Mm -hmm. yeah. And of course, you know, if your partner grew up in a completely different type of situation, they're going to feel uncomfortable yeah. in a situation that makes you feel totally comfortable. Yes. Right? And, and you certainly don't want to make any commitments to each other until you've really had a chance to think about it together. Absolutely, yeah. because then you can wind up both of you being frustrated and That's unhappy right. and in a family leave, situation. Leave me alone, why don't you talk to me more? Yeah. yeah. So it's a lot to think about. But, uh, you know, great to share that with yes. people and I think this is really going to help give them some added so. insight. Yeah. yeah, we always invite you to think about it. Yeah. So, if you want to get my help personally, just go to my website, AskCraig.net, sign up for the coaching option that works best for you. I do email coaching, I do Skype coaching, if you got to get with me right away, I do offer emergency Skype coaching. Margaret is now available for Skype coaching. Yes. Just click on Margaret on the top of my page and you can sign up to talk with her. She's awesome. Margaret wants to say a word about last week. Oh, go right ahead. Um, last week when we were recording, I invited people to think about what are their best qualities, what mm -hmm. do they bring to a relationship, what makes I, them feel good about themselves. I think that was the video, Better After a Breakup. Better After a Breakup, mm -hmm. right. Um, and many of you responded to me and wrote your three best qualities or your four best qualities. Mm -hmm. Some responded with humor. Uh, but I just want to thank you for responding. It makes us feel good like you're listening to us. And thank you so much. So. If you want to get Margaret's help personally, just click on Margaret on my website and you can do some Skype coaching with her too. But that's it for this video. I'm Coach Craig Kenneth. I'm Coach Margaret. And we will talk with you soon.